Welcome one, welcome all. You are in the WordPress shop and your wonderful hosts, Adam and Colleen, are here to guide you through answering all of your questions about WordPress. This is a topic that Adam and Colleen both love geeking out about. They are here for it. I'm Colleen LeMasters of Colleen LeMasters Creative, and I specialize in WordPress websites, both design and development. I use thoughtful strategy to create beautifully crafted and optimized websites that are also easy to manage on a day-to-day basis for my clients. Adam Miggett, located in South Carolina, is a web developer focused on integrating custom functionality to websites. Now let's jump into the episode. Hello, hello. I made it. Woohoo! We made it. We're here. Yay. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day, February 14th. Look at that. Already. Uh, Mid-February. Already. It's like, (laughs) where's January? Like, what happened? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I really had every intention of starting the year off kind of slow and getting some of the admin-y type things done. And that has just not been the case. People are, are also hitting the ground running and they need website help. So... I, I had to pivot a little bit. I've been busy. It's crazy. I mean, it's great. It's great, but it's a lot going on and it's made me test out a lot of use cases for custom blocks. I'll tell you that. So been been getting my practice in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was actually making a custom block. Well, I have a bunch on my list. I was, well, I was. Now, are these fun blocks or are these client blocks? Or both. Uh, well, hopefully. So what I'm what I'm trying to do is uh, I'm having a, a new thing. I'm like I'm trying to get my webs. I know. Dare I say my own website <laughs> together? Uh, I know yeah. the cobbler's children, man. Those poor <laughs> shoeless children. <laughs> exactly. I don't have my own shoes, but yeah, I can. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So so anyway, so my my thing is I'm trying to put together something to where I'm I'm offering things. So I'm trying to I'm okay going through and and you know, making all the, the, all the current, you know, all, basically all the stuff that I, I have just, in, you know, on the back shelf, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the back, uh, right. dusting, dusting it off, make sure it's, it's, it's good. It's useful. It's, it's user-friendly. And I'm going to, nice. those as that, like, for instance, I made a, a general and for lack of better, it's called a general information because I couldn't think of, I'll probably change it, but for now it's called general information block. So you mm-hmm. drag the block in and you can, or you can go to settings and you can add whatever you want and it'll store it in the, the option, you know, option WP options. Uh, oh, table, sure. In that table. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and you can, but you can add whatever you want. It's like, Oh, okay. Add my address, add my phone number, add my, my favorite drink. Oh, nice. Keys and, keys and the key, the, mm-hmm. the label name and the, and the value. So then you add, you say, okay, drag the general information or whatever I called it. Or maybe I, mean, I think I called it show option, show okay. option block into a page. Oh. And it's, you know, got the drop down of those same keys. It's okay, keys. which one do you want to show? And then it just I like that. that. I like that a lot. That's awesome. And I like yeah. that, that I, I don't have to add like color and all that. I can just use supports, uh, attributes right. or the supports, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And it just automatically it put color background typography and it, it automatically will, uh, will include those. We'll, we'll have yeah. that style tab. And then that's, that's beautiful. So. Nice. Excellent. Well, that is very cool. I like that. That's a good use. I have been doing not, I mean, I think it's been pretty cool, but I feel like yours is, is pretty awesome. So oh, I, <laughs> it's a tough act to follow. I, well, but. <laughs> before you tell me that yours, I also in that, in this one, I also added what, what started was I added the uh, copyright. So you, in the pull down, it adds a, 
select, you know, your copyright date. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on the sidebar, you can act if you fill in the, the start date, it automatically will, will use that in the beginning oh, of nice. to the current date. Or it'll just right. use the current date. Yeah. So that, that's so how started. if you started, don't fill it out, yeah. Okay. If they don't fill it out, it's just the, it's just going to be the whatever. The current date, year. Right. You know, with the, with the copy, you know, the C. And then they do. So that's how it started. And then I'm like, well, what if you wanted other information? So then I threw the, did the whole keys and whatever. But anyway, go ahead. Very nice. Okay. Well, that's because I have to say, uh, I'm seeing it less in some of the like Envato market themes for purchase environment. You know, a lot of those will have a copyright that you can you know, adjust, but people always forget. So, and it's the easiest thing to automate because it's just the, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just so simple. So smart and good on you for updating that automatically. And people, yeah, people always forget about it. So this way right. there's a block and they're using blocks. They can, <clears throat> excuse me, they can just drag it and then use it and pick not only the, the copyright one, but they can, just, mm -hmm. they can use the date. And then if they have a start date, then they can just put their start date in. And then it's, nice. and then it's always going to, you know, show start date two or the, whatever the current year is. It'll show the sure. Year. Or not yeah, the, date, yeah, yeah. the year. Yeah. But the year. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. I, my struggle with blocks is. I don't quite know how to describe it, but in the same vein that blocks make it super easy for clients to update their site, you know, they can add whatever information, they can change the font size, they can, you know, I have had a hard time trying to get everything kind of standardized because they, yeah, they want to be able to change the font size. So for example, paragraph text. 80% of the time, they want the standard paragraph text that we have coded in. It's call it two, 20 pixels, whatever. Let's, let's just call it that. But there is that time where they don't want to have the 20 pixels. They need a bigger font size, right? So whether it be a specific block that they want to use or just they need something that's like a, almost like a subhead, but they don't want to use a header. And I know it sounds weird like well, why wouldn't you just use a header but the big thing is and this is something that I've had um, I've had to kind of train clients on is that you don't necessarily want to use a header unless it's you know because a lot of times gosh what am I trying to say they will use it from a design perspective they will just use a random h3 header because they like the way it looks but it doesn't flow into the greater scheme of the the page right so they went from h1 all the, and they skipped over h2 they went to h3 right and so that is poor form <laughs> in the eyes of google but they liked how h3 worked right so now with blocks you have that option to change font sizes and stuff like that so you can achieve the same design while still maintaining proper schema and schema but proper accessibility outline headlines all that kind of good stuff so However, there has not been, I have, I've kind of struggled with continuity, I guess. So when they want that big paragraph font, what, what is that big paragraph font size, right? Is it 26 pixels? Is it, well, over here, it could be 28, but they don't remember that they use 28. So over here on this other page, you know what I mean? Do you, do you kind of follow what I'm saying where they, there is that lack of continuity of how it's rendering because they've been given so much flexibility and I've been struggling with ways to kind of tighten that up a little bit. So yeah, they have more options. Certainly, they have certainly, you know, more options with the block editor, but how do we maintain the visual continuity um, throughout the design? And so it's not just like, oh, here's a 
a spacer that's 20 pixels high and here's a spacer over here that's 40 pixels high. Like maybe you want that, but you kind of want that standardization. And I, I guess maybe I'm not making enough use out of JSON perhaps, but I still haven't figured out a great way other than custom blocks to keep and maintain the continuity of the design. So for example, the block that I was going to talk about, I, I had mentioned to you yesterday was a directory block, right? And so there is a standard company name, address, phone number, website. I think that was it. Name, address, phone, website. Yes. Not even an email or anything, but I created a custom block because I wanted to have tighter control over how that would be rendered on the front end. And that's easier to do in a block setup because I can control that output of the block. And it's easier for the client because they just type in the, the info. They don't need to worry about styling or any of that because it's standardized within the blocks. That is where I have found the big win for blocks and especially for custom blocks as of late is a little bit tighter control over the, the design because it is something prior to, to going down the wormhole of custom blocks. It was something that I struggled with where, you know, I wanted them to have all these options of like small, medium, large paragraph, you know, and stuff like that. So anyway, that is, that's what I've been working on is, is kind of some basic custom blocks, but just because it makes, makes things tighter and the design stronger, I think I'm really, really excited, really happy with the direction of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think anytime we can make, if we make a custom block and just have it, you know, the options simplified, it means the options still have to be there because to, to get a lot of cases, but if it's a specific block, then you can limit what options there are. So there's not like okay, here's 80,000 choices that you can customize this block in. And customers like, the client's like, what's, okay, what do I pick, right? So yeah, anytime we can simplify it. And we're trying to convince them this is having the information page. Okay, I'm ready to select now because I know I've read all the information, watched the video, whatever the information is. Click it, you go to a certain page, or it can be a page within the, it may be a, a model pop-up, but it goes to a separate section, like a, a wizard, right? So it's like step one, pick a package, all they're doing. And then step two or next step, whatever. And then all they're doing is have the choice to select their, their course times and dates. And then the next, you know, so this way it keeps it, it keeps them from basically squirreling and saying, what do I do? Cause that's the, that's the problem. Cause we've had, uh, actually they switched from, what was that? Hot, hot jar to clarity. Cause then clarity is free, which, you know, you can see. Oh, you know, I've not heard about clarity. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's Microsoft. Got it. Whatever. Okay. But it does the same but it, thing. It's as similar, jar. similar stuff to what, what the hot jar does. So you Got can it. see what are clicking on and, and you know, how they're using the, the site anyway. So they use that to see, and, and people are just not seeing, you know, they'll do something and then they'll, they'll scroll, they'll scrolling all over the web, all over the place. And they don't see like, oh, I have to select this or do this. So they're not seeing, even it says big add to cart or add this or select this or whatever the wording is. So my, our idea was, was to, to try to form that better into a, into a wizard. So well, hopefully they, they agree to that. <laughs> Hope so, because this is something, this brings up something that I, I find, I don't know, with every single client that I, that I talk to, we always go over and I, I can't stress the importance of this enough, but it is important to have very clear goals when you are setting out to craft your website, whether it be a redesign or you're starting out, you can have more than one goal. You, the whole goal, the whole, <laughs> the whole goal of the goals, the purpose of the website 
is to meet these goals, whatever they may be. And you need to prioritize them. I will, when I'm sitting down with a client, I'll say, okay, well, what do you want? What do you want the website to do for you? Right. And is it sell a product? Is it sign up for a newsletter? Is it join a subscription? And they'll say, oh, all of it. And I said, okay, well, that's great, but let's prioritize this. If you can only have one of those, what's your most important one? And they're like, well, we want to sell a product. Okay, great. Let's look at how we can make that the path of least resistance, right? What's going to get a user from point A to point B and convert to a purchaser. And then along the way, without deviating from the end goal, from that path to the end goal, we can look at other ways to implement how we achieve those secondary or tertiary goals of signing up for a newsletter or signing up for a subscription. And it could be in in this sense, if they're in this example, if they're trying to sell a product, but one of their other goals is that they want people to sign up for a subscription. Well, that's that's an upsell opportunity. So you can look at it as, oh, okay, we we have driven these users to purchase, and then right before they click checkout, you can dangle that carrot that says, oh, hey, have you thought about making this a subscription product? They're going to buy a bag of coffee online. And, uh, let's make it a subscription and see if we can convert them and get them there, right? And you're not gonna necessarily get everybody because no, I'm good with just my one bag for now. I'm gonna test the water, see what I think. And that's fine, but you have given an opportunity and there's there's other ways to achieve that. That's just a quick off the top of my head example. It's so important to figure out what your main goal is and what is that path of least resistance that's going to get users to achieve your goal. Because Adam, to your point, you don't want distractions along the way because it takes them away. If you give them too many choices, they're not going to choose anything. And so it's so important that you take the friction out of that process. And like with you and the courses, you know, like doing that wizard where it's a step-by-step so they don't just scroll and scroll and are kind of left paralyzed wondering where to click, but they have a very clear it, in your case, almost a roadmap with the wizard, you know, of like, okay, do this. Okay, next, do this. It's, I mean, it's a lot of handholding, but honestly, that's what you have to do. Everyone kind of jokes about it, but really you, you have to take the user by the hand and show them where you want them to go and guide them there and take the guesswork out for them. And that's how you can convert these users into customers. It's so important to look at that. And, and a lot of that can be done whether it's through your UX, UI, you also want to make sure that you are doing it in your nav. Like I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go to clients and be like, we need to simplify your navigation. There's too many choices up there. Like how, what, what in looking at that, what do you want me to do as a user? What, where are you trying to get me to go? And there's just too many choices. One thing that you can like readily do off the bat is go and audit your navigation and how simple is it? How many clicks are there? How is it? How easy is it to find the end result of whatever you want your user to do? Because if they're clicking around and getting lost in the site, that's time that they're not converting to a customer. And yeah, maybe they get there if, if you're lucky you get that end result, but you want to make it easy and, and everyone's time is valuable. And, you know, I don't have to tell you guys how quickly people will lose interest in a site and bounce off. You know, I, I read something the other day that said you have six seconds and that's generous. And I thought, yeah, six seconds is generous because it sounds fast, but if you are waiting on a site to load and trying to figure out where to go, six seconds is, is a lot of time. So you got to do better than that. But 
Anyway, all of that is to say kind of a low hanging fruit homework assignment would be to go audit your navigation, see how many choices you have, see how clear the path to your goal is achieved would be something I would definitely recommend. Something that you may have done it already, but it's worth looking at, you know, maybe the business goals change. Maybe you have a new product that you want to highlight. It's worth revisiting. So definitely take a look at that and make sure you have those clear, clear paths to convert users to customers. And yeah, just going, continuing on this, the navigation structure, I see so many, so you have a lot of choices, but then because it's so easy just to add links and pages and stuff. So what they do is they, you know, people will keep adding on. So if you have a list, so if you have, you know, five, five thing, five choices in the nav, but then each one of those, so if you, you know, hover over like the first one and you'll have six choices and then you hover over each one and there'll be 10 choices of each one. And then hover over that. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. what is happening? <laughs> For sure. It's just, it's too deep. It's too deep. And I will tell you that I had one when I was very early on in my career, I was talking to a fellow web designer friend, and this was probably about, I don't know, eight years ago. They told me that if they ever get, when they're sitting down with a client and their, their client is the something shiny and they can't, they can't hone in on their goals. The designer told me that one of their tricks is to, when they, they create the design, they purposely, purposefully design a nav space with a set, like a fixed amount. So you just can't fit anything else in the nav. Like it's only four spaces or three space, whatever it is, because they want to force the client to be mindful about what they are putting in the nav. And it's a way they're like, I know it sounds like I'm not catering to the client, but at the same time, I, I feel like it's the right thing to do. I'm helping them because they very clearly need help honing in on what is important. And so if they know they only have room for call it three or four things, they're going to be more selective in those three or four things. Now, that doesn't necessarily solve, to your point, the sub items and the children and grandchildren of the NAV, as it were. You do want to be just as mindful in those sub items as well. It, it's just always interesting when you're talking to other other folks in the industry about like how they, they handle that. I, I luckily, it has not come to that for me. I can usually, you know, my clients usually have a general idea of where where they want to go good good tip to keep in my back pocket when i was just starting out <laughs> yeah i mean look at uh, instagram right so they start off you can have one link right so everybody use a link to a, a, a links page right because now they have i think it's up to is it five links how many can they have so they expanded it you can have multiple links i think it's five maybe it's less again there's a there's a finite amount that you can add so you're not adding seven thousand <laughs> links on a bio page it's true. You know, it's funny. It's it's really funny that you bring that up because I was scrolling through in my Instagram, you know, you get thrown at like the advertisements of like accounts you might like or whatever. And, and so I'm like clicking through to see what they're all about. And I look at their link and bio and they just have the one and it's a link tree, which of course I was like, oh gosh, guys, don't use link tree. Use your own website. I digress. And I'm looking through their link tree and there is no joke. There is 20 different links. I stopped scrolling after about, I don't know, 10 of them, I got halfway through. I'm like, this is ridiculous. They, I wonder what their click-through rates are on this. And yes, Adam, create your own links page on your own site. Amen. Yes, cannot 
stress it enough. It is, it's easy to do. You just mark it as a no fault. Like you don't want the search engines to have it render or have it show in the search results. You can do whatever you want. It matches the aesthetic of your site already. It's cohesive. You can look at Google Analytics and get all of the info that you need from it. Highly, highly recommend. And especially, I know a lot of these services are free. Definitely do not pay for one of those external services when you can use your own website for sure. Yeah, just too many choices in the link in bio, even with those starting with the one link and now you can put a couple more in there. Like you want to limit that. You want to make sure that you're giving giving your users a clear path to do what you want them to do. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode for anyone who watched Seinfeld when I think it was Kramer was recording the the movie times. Did you ever see that episode where he wanted to be the voice back in the day when you had to call to find out the movie times? That was a funny one. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you just tell me the movie you want to see? And that's always, I'm like, just tell the people where you want them to go. That make it easy on them and don't give them a lot of choices. I mean, choice is good to some extent. At the end of the day, if there's a clear goal, give them a a clear path to achieve it. I will step off my soapbox now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, choices are great because people want options, but again, it can be distracting. You know, if you limit, you say, okay, here's 50,000 things. Now your, your brain's trying to comprehend 50,000 things instead of three. And it's like, oh, I have three. Great. Right. There is a reason that three is like, it's a, a great design number. I mean, it's, there's, there have been studies on that. That's the number. That is a great, like I, if people insist on using sliders on their website, I'm like, God, please don't use more than three. I guarantee you, you'll be lucky if the third slide gets click throughs. If you're doing things properly, you will have that landing hero area of your website that is your call to action with your big goal. Like that's your thing. That's the one that you want everyone to do or the product you want them to see or the service you want them to sign up for, whatever it might be. That's give that position a prime real estate above the fold. And if you insist on using sliders, I get it. You know, they do have a time and a place. I, I just don't necessarily think that your hero image or your hero real estate is is the best one because again, it deviates from your main goal, right? Maybe it's supporting your secondary or whatever goal. That's what the rest of the scroll is for. You can have those areas of your site that support those other goals. You know, don't take the spotlight away from your main thing that you want to be doing. Yeah. Well, and, and by separating things into sections or pages, then you, it, it adds to your, your, the data that you're, you can go back and look to see, okay, who's, what pages are being clicked on? Like, Oh, Majority of the people are going right to, they love going to the about page or they love going to whatever page it is. Right. So then now you're looking at your data to say, what's, what's the most popular page. So now, oh, they like this. Okay. So now you can kind of say, okay, my users are like this and keep that format going so that your site users are happy. Yeah. Use that data. I, I I will say, obviously Google has made the transition to GA4 over the summer. I am, I'm not a Google analytics. I, I have it. I look at it for my own site, but very broad scope views. I know that that is a whole another profession unto itself, Google analytics and, and how to set up those goals and those things like that. It's not something that I am familiar nor comfortable with doing. I, I that's one thing that I actually, you know, my copious amounts of, of free time, I think that I would like to learn a little bit more because all I do with Google Analytics is I take the code and I plunk it on the site so it will collect the data, but I don't set up any of Google Tag Manager goals or events or anything like that, unless it's 
in the code that I'm given kind of thing. But I don't, I don't set anything like that up. The client, I usually refer them to either a, a specialist in that department, or they have someone in house that they can do that. And then they'll just send the code my way. If you do have that data, it is absolutely worth looking at. I just wish I was better at Google Analytics. But I mean, the new, the, the GA4, it just, it seems, it seems convoluted and overwhelming for me. So I've, I've kind of shied away from it. Yeah, I, I wish I wish I had more insight there because it is such a, a good a good source of data on how people are using your site. But I I don't I don't know. Have you used it at all, Adam? Have you have you gone into the GA four back end at all? Uh, a little bit, but again, I don't. Yeah, at that level, I don't really use it that much. I basically when it comes to the data, it's it's not just like a one time thing. Like, oh great, I have data. Let me see. You know, Monday, January. You know, on Monday in January, here's the data. Great, and then you go away and never look at it again that's kind of useless. It's a, that's why, you know, you have somebody in there in that specific company that, that handles or multiple people that are analyzing the data so that you can constantly look at from week to week, or maybe just want month to month, or maybe you want day to day, whatever, whatever the, the structure is the company is looking at, you can see what the, the patterns are and see what it is. And that way you can see what's, what's happening. Never a, never a one-time thing. If you look at the data once and then never look at it again, it's kind of okay. Why? why? <laughs> well, it gives you a skewed view, you know, because you're not you're not getting the full picture, right? If you're because only looking a, at it, it like you know in that small window. It's a variable, right? So it's like you want to look right. at all the different variables. You know, how are they changing daily, weekly? You know, again, there's there's a whole host of how we want to a whole way, you know, a lot of ways you can look at that data. You know, mm -hmm. and then maybe that company has five people, you know, in that team to look at that, or maybe there's only one person. Whatever I mean, goes up to whatever the size of the company is. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I do really like that I don't think enough people make use of, in my opinion, is Google Search Console, connecting your site to Search Console and getting some of those metrics and insight from Google Search Console. Number one, it's a, a way to submit your sitemap to Google. So you're basically giving Google your roadmap to your site and be like, here you go. I, I won't have to wait for you to find me. I'm telling you where I am and here's all my pages and structure and everything, especially if one of your goals is SEO. Like if that is a prime goal is search engine optimization, then definitely hook your site into Google Search Console so you can get that feedback and find out how to improve your site for SEO. It will give you like a, hey, this has duplicate content or 404, you know, broken link kind of thing. You can see the search terms, which I, you know, I believe is also available in Google Analytics, but because I tend to shy away from it these days. <laughs> Google Search Console, you can see how people are finding your site. That would be something that if you do not already have your site connected to Search Console, definitely look at connecting that up and then taking a look at the data from time to time. I I try <laughs> with an asterisk, but you know, beside it, I try to do that monthly. Honestly, it ends up being more every other month or quarterly, but Every little bit helps, you know, again, take the, take the snapshot, see how people are using the site. How are they finding you? It might generate ideas as far as what you want to write about for, if you have a blog, it might generate, you know, some reworking of your, your frequently visited pages, because if you're getting a lot of eyeballs on the pages, if that's the one they're landing on, divert them once they're there to whatever one of your goals is, things like that. That would be something that I don't think a lot of people, you know, everyone talks about Google Analytics, but I don't know that there's a lot of talk about Google Search Console. Maybe it's maybe it's starting to come up a little bit more, but everyone everyone's all about the analytics, which is great, but I get a lot of info from Search Console as well. So highly recommend. 
I think both is it is the plugin the Google Sidekick? Do they have does that install both or just the? It does. Uh, site, no, it Google. does both. It so does right. That's right. It'll do Sidekick. It will. Excuse me. The Google Sidekick is a WordPress plugin from Google, and it will connect without any kind of code, any know-how or anything. It just kind of connects the dots between Google Analytics. Google Search Console, and if you're doing any kind of ads or, or advertising. And then you also get some page speed insights, which I, I think is interesting as well. So if you don't use Chrome, which I do, but if you didn't use Chrome and their developer tools to see page speed and get that green 100 kind of thing, you can look in your dashboard in using the SiteKit plugin. It will give you some insight there too. And some opportunities like, hey, maybe you want to minimize your CSS files or you know whatever it is. They'll, they'll give you that feedback in the dashboard as well. Yeah. The, the one, I'll just, I'm just going to go off on a tangent on, on this real quick because you brought it up with this page speed or inspections of pages. One thing I like about the, of having a block a base or the WordPress blocks or WordPress, what am I trying to say? Block ready site. It convert, you know, it uses mostly all inline CSS, which is good for page speeds and stuff. Right. But there's one, one file, I think it's navigation, WP navigation, something CSS that it, it has an actual link, but it doesn't have, and it uses the render blocking attribute, oh. which is all screen. Yeah, which, which it just baffles me that if you if you look, I, I look at all the page, all of them are inline except for yeah. that. One. I'm like, what? So a lot of times, if I'm huh. if I'm that picky, I'll actually unregister that, grab that code, and convert it to an inline nice. uh, CSS. Just because I just because I'm I, maybe that's a little too much because I'm like you know people are like why? Well, I just but wonder what it just is bothers the... me. Yeah, what's the thought process behind that, though? You know, like why? Because everything else is inline, so there has to be a reason that that's not right. Right, everything is inline except that one file. I'm like, why would they not convert that? Which is just odd, but whatever. And granted, is it going to really drag? You know, does it really drag one file, one link, drag it down that far? Probably not. It's just. As a developer, yeah, no, your developer brain is like, come on. It bothers me. My (laughs) brain's like, no, but you know, obviously (laughs) is it going to, you know, really drag it down? No, does it matter? Probably not. Probably not, but still my own, my own little, you know, whatever. No, I get it. I'm with you. So I just don't like that would bother my, my OCD. It's like the only one that's hanging out there when everything else is all nice and tidy. So I get that. You know, what's funny is that I, I have not like you have gone deep into some of these blocks and everything like that. I really haven't gone, like I've kind of messed around with custom blocks here and there and block variations, but someone was telling me, I was listening to, I think it was the WP Water Cooler podcast about, it was on a couple weeks ago. Remember they did that live stream a couple Fridays ago and it was like coding blocks because you have to or something like custom blocks because you have to. One of the speakers was saying how if you don't have a like that fundamental baseline for how to code blocks, then it's going to be harder for you to do some of the fancier custom stuff like that. And I thought, man, I I can kind of get by in the custom stuff. I should really go back to go back to some basics and do a deep dive like you have done and get in there. Cause I'm like, I, I hadn't paid attention to any of the inline stuff like you have. So I'm, I'm going to have to go back and get in at the ground level and work back up again. So it all, all makes sense. I'm doing things the proper way. Cause it's a lot of times I am kind of trialing an error 
this stuff and I'll be like, okay, well, let's see what this does. And that's always how I've learned. doesn't matter whether it be WordPress or code or how to tie my shoe, but it was trial and error for me is, is the best way to learn. You know, I'm going to have to go back and do, do a deeper dive into the basics, I think. So, yeah. Or just pra- like look at some of the short codes that you have and see if you just try converting the short codes into blocks, but look to see what your short codes are doing. If they're visual, then do that. If it's, if the short code is not really, well, I guess short code would render out visually, but if it's not, you know, you don't need too many choices. If it's kind of a set thing, then you don't really need, you don't need to convert to a, to a block unless, you know, somebody's specifically saying use a block. You, what am I trying to say? So just, just go start there. Just look at the, your existing stuff. So you have the functionality of what this short code does. And that way you say, okay, the short code does this. Let me convert it to a block. Um, that's kind of how I, I was doing it. I was converting all of my short codes to, or a lot of them to blocks. So that, that just gave me the practice of, oh, okay, now I have a block or short code, whichever way you want. Because some builders may, they should Basically, if a block is a register, if you're using Elementor or whatever, the block should be available. But if some weird page builder doesn't allow that, then they're not going to use it. So they can just always use a short code. So that way they can have the option. Yeah. And I did start doing a little bit of that to your point, because we've talked about this before, like trying to convert some of those short codes. I did start doing that. And then I, that's when I started going down the rabbit hole of the whole post meta, because a lot of the times the short codes would, the reason I was using the short code was because I wanted things displayed in a certain way based around whatever the post meta was. So for example, We had previously, Adam and I had worked on a Teams custom post type was a team. You add a new team member and you add their bio, you add their, which the bio was in, you know, the content editor, of course, but, and this was pre block that I had done a lot of the the custom post type. So this was the original content editor, the WYSIWYG. And then I had all of these post meta for a LinkedIn profile URL an email address where you can email those. And I, you know, remember Adam, we created that, that display for, you know, it was a short code for that custom post type because we needed a, a, a method, you know, and we could output the post meta via the short code. But that's one thing I will say about the query. I love, love, love the query loop block. I think it just really extends WordPress beyond, like it, it gives users a lot of options and maybe it overwhelming to someone who doesn't think that WordPress loops are sexy like I do. But <laughs> um, I, I will say that that's one thing the query loop block is lacking is there, there's no, you can, because in a, in a coded loop, you can organize how those posts are displayed by post meta. You know, there's ways to do that. Or you can, sidebar to that, you can also include the post meta and show it on a per post basis. So you can show the team member and their email address and their LinkedIn profile, and then the next team member and their email address and LinkedIn profile. But there's not an easy way to do that inherently in the block editor. So that's where custom blocks again come in. And I I really am hoping that that the core team is is looking at ways to extend that because that just seems like that should be out of the box available with the post meta. If if not a display by post meta, I mean, I think that would be one of the easier things to include first. I know that getting, because post meta could be any key you want, right? It depends on, it's up to the developer. And, but in a perfect world, it would be like, hey, pick your post type, which you can already do in the query 
query loop, pick your post type. And then from that post type, what are the available post meta keys? And then pick your post meta key from that dropdown and drag that post meta key into where you want it in the context of the block editor. That would be great. And that was something that Adam, you had worked on for me. Was it last week? I feel like it was last. I, it's all a blur. Now there is that opportunity to show the post meta within the query loop, which I think is is awesome, but it, it was custom done. It wasn't part of the, the native block, which is a little bit of a bummer. So hopefully, hopefully that's on their roadmap. I don't see, well, I'm just going to say, I don't see them focusing on that because there's, I think they're going to, I think just the the WordPress team has too many things that they're, they're trying to do. Like, like my friend and I were talking about the site editor. So basically it'll, it'll probably be toggle. You, You can have an option to say, okay, look at the original. So if you go to the, the WP admin, regular dashboard page, you know, with all the stuff style, you can actually click it off as default to look at more of a site editor all the time. So instead of seeing design, like if you go to site editor and it's, you see design, they'll actually, and they're all the stuff and navigation and stuff. They'll have another section that says tools settings. So basically they'll, they're, they're I, I see them possibly moving to that or at least having an option. But again, we were just discussing that whether they'll do that or not. That was all us speculating it. I don't know. That's a one thing we're saying that they'll probably could do just to, change it up. So I don't, but going back to the post meta, I don't see them putting a lot of things in there, but you never know. They, they could do that natively or what going back, yeah. I think maybe we should put our WordPress shop plugin, add that block for people that use blocks. We put a post meta or custom post meta block in our mm. plugin as one that of our features. Cool. And then, then people can get no use, use our, uh, our plugin to have that. That would be awesome. Loop. So we can yeah. do that. That's a good idea. We should do that because I just think, I mean, I, I agree. I think there's so many things on the WordPress dev roadmap that that probably is not top priority, but man, I use my post meta all the time, like all the time. So it's just for someone who does use it as frequently, I'm like, surely I'm not alone, but I, I guess, yeah. Well, I think also too, there's, because there's, there's post meta can be, you can have 10,000 bits of data in post meta, right? <laughs> so you don't want 10,000, a list in a drop true. Down, 10, I know. It's like, how do you put the <laughs> just out of the on, box? Right? So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's true. I mean, it, I, and I don't know if you knew this, this is kind of a sidebar, but did you know that, did you ever catch that? Cause I just learned it a couple of weeks ago. If you put an underscore in front of your post meta ID, it is not shown in the custom fields of the, in that panel. Did you realize that? I didn't realize it's that. The un, yeah. It's the, it's, there's a word for, it and I can't think of what it is. I'm just like, I just call it a system, system meta key. There's another word yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense to me but though. A, but yeah, it's, it's like not it's hidden, basically a system. but kind of, if, uh, you, if you develop and say, give me all the meta keys, the all, even the ones with the underscore will show up. Oh, like, will it like see, That custom. would be like, if you yeah, say, give that would me be a way to filter. Right. So then you'd have to filter out any of the system with the underscore, you know, if it starts with then just right. ignore those and then it'll get yeah, yeah, yeah. them. So of course, but again, it could, you don't want to maybe not give, unless it's a specific custom post type that you control, you don't want to give all the post types because, or all, I mean, all the post meta, because mm-hmm. like there could be 5,000. Right. <laughs> you, no, there could be 5,000 keys in, in a drop down. Well, and think about like, if you had old plugins that you are no longer using that, like you don't, you you deleted the plugin, so it's not even in your repository. 
not your repository, but it's not in your library inactive, but it, you still have their database values in there. I mean, like a lot of those plugins will put in meta values and stuff too, that are just hanging out in the database. The and okay, that's that's an actual topic. I was just talking to my friend about the other day because he was going through some older sites and good plugins or themes when you hit delete and it says, do you want to delete all things should actually delete and remove all of their data. So that's not in there. But a lot of them, like he was going through the actual database and they're, they, they, he hasn't had certain plugins active for a couple of years that he was going through it. And he still saw the data in the actual database, which is basically just cluttering your database because it's not even being used. Totally, totally. And like, yeah, like no, I agree. Thousands of lines, thousands of records, not just one or two. Right. No, for sure. And it, I had a client who moved off of WooCommerce and went to a different proprietary platform, and all that WooCommerce stuff is still like you delete the plugins, but it's still there. Which I get why. I, I get it, you know, on to some level, you don't want to necessarily because like maybe you're you're just deleting the plugin temporarily or for whatever reason you need to reinstall it and you need that that data back there. But I always think the option should be given as opposed to just like if you delete it, you you get an option to delete the database and, and good plugins will do that. And, and see, that's part of the whole deactivate, activate. You can deactivate it so it's not running, so you can still test stuff. But then if you need it, you activate it back. Now, if you hit delete, and actually WordPress will prompt you and say, do you want to delete all of the data? I would say no, then now there's, it's going to stay it's going to stay, stay there. But if you say yes, all that data is gone, which which is really the way that it should be. But Because that way it right. keeps everything nice and neat. But And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. from a developer, I, I like to keep everything nice and neat. <laughs> Yes. No, I'm with you for sure. I have a couple sites that I have to get coding and not to mention a couple of proposals that I got to get out the door today. And it's Valentine's Day. So I got to make sure that I'm leaving a little bit early because we are doing heart-shaped dinner foods tonight. So got to got to get home, get all the work done, get home and, and get the kids special dinner going as well. So big day, big Wednesday, Valentine's Day. So I, I love all the stuff that we talked about today. I think hopefully it was helpful for folks. And you know that I love some good custom block chatting. So thank you for that. If anyone is having any questions about their WordPress site, things they want to do or just aren't sure how to achieve the goal that they have for their website. Hopefully Adam and I might have some solutions for you. We want to thank you for coming and spending time out of your day here with us in the WordPress shop. Okay, that concludes this episode. Our hosts will return with another topic in the next episode. Bye-bye everyone.